Good morning, church, and happy Sunday. Uh, we are so glad that you can join us this morning. And for those who are watching uh, for the first time, uh, my name is ben, uh, Pastor Benjamin, and I'm one of the pastors here at CLC. And before uh, we dive into today's message, um, I want to take a quick moment to reflect upon the verdict of George Floyd's trial this week. You know, as people across the country reacted uh, with a variety of emotions upon hearing the outcome, um, I personally, I felt a sheer beacon of hope. Um, I know that this one verdict isn't going to change our criminal uh, justice system, but looking at the responses, uh, a lot of people did feel relief as they felt that justice uh, was served, or at least this one wrong was being right. And one of the responses that really struck about core uh, was from Jeff Bezos, uh, as he tweeted, the verdict of George Floyd was like a turning point for our country, small yet important victory in the largest fight against racism and social injustices. But you know, all these words cannot do justice uh, for a person's loss uh, as the family are still dealing with the loss of George Floyd. And so this morning, uh, since we are going to talk about Paul's prayer, um, my prayer goes out to his family, his friends for peace and healing uh, for the rest of our country as well as we continue to fight in, in this cause. And we pray that this momentum will carry forward changes in the structures for our society and field of faith of everyone who believes that justice is still possible. So uh, I just want to take a, a moment of just quick, quick prayer uh, for our nation. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, this morning, uh, we want to rely solely upon your hope and your hope alone for us to sustain any form of sanity in the midst of all this chaoticness, and that we ask for your love and your grace to shower us as our country uh, still goes through these social and racial changes. And Father, we declare that the sanctification through you and through your church is really the true hope, and we receive all this in your precious Son's name. Amen. Amen. Now, um, if you remember last week, um, Pastor Andrew started us off uh, in our new sermon series called A Whole New World by describing through Paul's word that we are Christ, that this rich inheritance we have acquired and what Christ has done, that he has saved us, he has redeemed us, and now rest of the chapter one is about Paul's prayer. Actually, it is his first prayer because he prays again in chapter three. You know, sometimes we forget that prayer is one of the greatest weapons that God has given us in our conflict against the kingdom of darkness. That our prayers not only changes things in the spiritual world, but prayers encourages and edify us. You know, this morning, um, I had a two surprised people call me and reach out to me uh, before I, I began my preaching. And I was so encouraged and edified. So 
But nonetheless, Paul begins to pray. Now, what is this prayer about? We find it in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. I do not cease to give you thanks to you for remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised from the dead, seated in the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in the ages, but also in the ones to come, that he put all the things under his feet, and gave himself as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, as we read these verses, so what does he pray for? Now, first, Paul prays for a spiritual wisdom so that we will know God's person. Now, I want you to take a look in verse 17. That God of our Lord Jesus Christ Father of glory may give you the spiritual wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of him. In the New Living Bible translates this verse as that you might grow in the knowledge of God. Did you know that the people of those times thought that the gods were unknowable? The gods were distant, aloof. See, they thought they were, the gods were up there and that people were down here. So they, th they thought that there was no way of knowing God, let alone having a personal relationship with him. But that's not true. Because in Acts chapter 17, verse 27 says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their ways toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So then my question to you this morning is, how well do you know him? You know, maybe a lot of us grew up knowing about him, maybe knew facts about him. Maybe we just heard him. But I want to ask you, how well do you know God? And if so, how well, well do you know? Are you on a like kind of a first name basis or do you just know him casually? That maybe he's out there, way off, distant and aloof. Or maybe, you know what, you and God are like, like, like this. Best of friends. Now, why do you think Paul prays that we will grow in the knowledge of him? Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. The reason that he prays for this is because... In order for any relationship to grow and to mature or to evolve, it, it takes revelations. You have to reveal yourself in any relationships. And I think that's why in some relationship, it, it fails. Because people will sometimes hold things in. They, they will never let you in. Or they will keep, put up their guards or put up a veneer. 
I mean, I want you to take a look at your own personal relationship, either with your spouses, your kids, or even between your friends. You call someone your best friend. Why? Isn't it because you know him or you know her on a personal basis? So then you can't have a relationship with a revelation. And that's why Paul prays that we will grow in the knowledge of God because we will never get to know who he is on a personal level without the revelation. And so Paul is saying, read through God's word, study his word, receiving the knowledge of Jesus Christ so that Jesus will renew our minds, that, that we will be transformed into his. You see, the minds of the immature believers will only be focused upon selfish ambitions. But as we open ourselves in reading God's word and concerning Jesus, as we enter into fellowship with him and really know who he is, then our minds begins to change. It is being renewed. And then as a result of such renewing of the mind, we spontaneously start to look after the interests of others and genuinely and unselfishly care for others. And we don't consider ourselves better than anyone else. So that's why Paul begins his prayer that we will know God on a personal level. Now, secondly, he prays for a spiritual enlightenment to know God's plan. I want you to take a look at verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts to be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? You know, Paul not only prays that we will know who he is, but he also prays that we will understand what he wants from our lives. Now, eyes of his understanding literally means eyes of our heart translated into eyes of our understanding. You know, we only view the brain as the intellectual center, don't we? However, in the ancient times, it was the heart that was at the center of all our thoughts and all our intellects. See, they thought that the emotions were at the bowels of our intestines. And that's why in the old King James, it says, being filled with the bowels of mercy. If you read in Colossians 3.12, you see the ancient people thought that we felt the deepest emotions from the pits, from where? From our stomach. And that's why we, we get the saying, I, I'm feeling butterfly where? In, in my gut or in my stomach. So the heart was the mind and the intestine where all the emotions, as even Jesus said, I have compassion. Now the word compassion in Greek, it, it, means, it means that his, he felt deeply from his gut for the lost people. So what Paul is praying that the eyes of our heart, the way we think from our minds and from our understanding being enlightened so that we will know the hope of his calling for us. See, but the problem with some Christians today is that we often rely on our emotions more than the truth. You know, sometimes our emotions can be very deceitful. They can lie to us. So then our emotions have to be educated 
in, in the truth. Because if our emotions drives us or carries us, then we could be all over the places. Now, do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? Okay, let me put this in a very, very simpler way. You know, quite often, I hear people say, you know, um, I don't feel like I'm forgiven. Or this is, this is something, you know, even greater. You know, I don't feel the love of God. Now, we've all said it. I've said it before, and we're all guilty of it, right? Now, these kind of emotions, well, it's sort of deceiving us, right? Because all of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, then what are we? Well, according to Colossians 2.13, we're forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross for all our sins, we, we were transferred unto him. And that God-man is alive in Christ by forgiving us of all our sins. Now, next time, believe it next time when you are swayed by your emotions. That, you know what, I don't feel like I'm saved. Or, for those people that feel like, you know, I don't feel like God loves me. Now, do you really believe what the Bible says about that God loves you i mean our infamous passage john three sixteen. what does it say it says that he loves us so very much but pastor ben i still don't feel like that i'm being loved well you're being lied to so don't trust your emotions but rather in the truth the eyes of your understanding be enlightened to know the hope of his claim. Maybe the Amplified Bible translate this verse more accurately. If you only knew the hope that he has called you into. If we only knew what God has in store for us in the future, here and also in heaven, it will change the way we think about life and death. You know, this week, um, this week was was very, very difficult week for me because I had to wrestle with death. Because one of my best friends, who was a missionary to India, passed away from COVID. And, and I was really, really depressed. And I was asking God, you know, why? You know, why? You know, this young you know, person, you know, Why? And and as I was reflecting and I was meditating and I was praying, this was the response from God. This is what he was saying to me. You know, Ben, if God, if heaven looks this great from your side, which by the way is just a temporary side, then what it would look like from the permanent or the eternal side when you do get up to heaven, where your friend, Shik, is right now. And so Paul is saying, imagine the hope of his calling. You know, um, someone once told me that heaven is not just a a destination, but also a motivation. Now, one more time. Did you get this? That heaven is not just a destination, but it's a motivation. That, That my friend's death 
is not in vain because the hope of his calling drives us and motivates us to live our life, our Christian life, faithfully and dearly. And that's exactly what Paul is praying for, not only for the church of Ephesus, but for everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. That heaven is not just a destination, but also a motivation. Which leads to Paul's third prayer, which is found in the latter verse of 18 also, that he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Do you want to know what his third prayer was? He was praying that for the spiritual insight to know God's presence. You know, upon his first two prayers, I love this prayer the best because this verse reminds me or reminds us that we are the riches of his glory and it is an inheritance for all the saints. Now, if you read in verse 11 of the same chapter, chapter 1, verse 11, do you know that Paul talks about our inheritance? What we inherited, right? What's in our bank book? But in verse 18, he's talking about not our inheritance, but God's inheritance. You see, Paul wants us to know if we only knew the way God sees us as part of his wealth, or if we only knew how much God values us, it would change the way we think, how we do things. But quite often, it's not something that we often meditate upon. Yes, God is worthy of all our worship. But looking from the way the scripture reveals it, how we are his precious inheritance, how we are so valuable to God. You know, last past Saturday, during our virtual retreat, I, I walked in or I, I came into one of the break rooms that dealt with wills and trusts. And, and as I heard people talk about and, and I just came to the conclusion that pretty much trust and wills are to protect people's inheritance. But you know what? When was the last time you thought of yourself as God's inheritance and God's treasure? You see, Jesus dying on the cross enabled us to be children of God. So then we became his inheritance. We are very, very precious to him. We are so valuable to God. So next time, if you ever doubt how valuable we are to God, that I'm still feeling, I'm not feeling loved. I want you to just take a look at the cross and see how God gave Jesus to make sure that we are his and that we are valuable to him. And if you don't see yourself as God's inheritance, you know what we were doing? We are deprecating God's property as if we are not of any worth. You know, um, when my daughter was young, and her favorite storybook was the story of the princess and the frog. Now, you guys all know that the story of the princess and the frog, right? The prince 
that turned into a frog. And the solution was that a beautiful princess had to kiss this slimy frog, right? Now, it's a wonderful story. And I read you know, to my daughter many, many times. And as I was cleaning out my, 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 my office this week, I ran across that book. And as I was flipping through the chapters, something just came over me. You see, if you look, if you look, this story, it's a wonderful story if you are a toad. But if you look at it from the prince's perspective, you are this beautiful princess. And you have to bend down and kiss that ugly, slimy frog on the lips. Now, you know what? I know this story doesn't nearly compare. But I want you to see this. That God left heaven in the form of Jesus. And that he poured everything out so that you and I could become children of God. Now, it's great from our perspective that salvation, it's a free gift. Hallelujah, whatever, right? But from God's perspective, seeing us as so valuable that it costs his son's life that now he considers us as his inheritance. And you know what? The wonder of it all is to just to think that God loves me, that we belong to God. We are part of his inheritance. And so Paul urges for us to understand Next time when we feel like I'm not loved or I'm not forgiven, that we will understand how valuable we are to him because of the very own son, the sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice that he has sent to die on the cross for our sins. And finally, his last prayer is found in verse 19 in the rest of the, uh, rest of the chapters. What he prays for is that he prays for a spiritual understanding to know God's power. Look at verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? You know, I think I was in eighth grade when I first watched the Space Shuttle Columbia being launched into outer space. Now, I, I, I didn't know then, but I know now that it takes about 4.5 millions of pounds of force to propel that sh shuttle into the outer atmosphere or outer limits. And, and the engine that needs to produce about 7 million pounds of thrust to catapult that into the outer space. And the kind of power that is needed to launch that space shuttle. Now, I want you to think about the amount of power to raise Jesus Christ from the dead and to have him seated in the right hand of the Father. And that's exactly what Paul is praying for. This, this dunamis, this dynamic power. Now, better translation is this translation of capacity. Capacity, all that God wants us to be. You know, um, we all live, we all know that we live our spiritual life 
uh, sometimes being defeated. I, I was I was feeling this week. I was feeling defeated this week. You know, rather than living like a super Christian, there are certain kryptonites that are always getting us down. And we often say, we want more power. Just like that song that we used to sing, more power, more love. I need more of you in my life. But Paul is saying, no, no. We got all the power that we need. And Paul is saying that you got all the power you need. Just know you got and live what we have because it's already part of our inheritance. Um, I, I don't know if you guys know, I have two younger brothers. And my youngest brother, he collects rare comic books. And in my mom's house, I think he has over maybe 100,000 comic books ranging in prices. They are very, very expensive. I mean, really, really expensive compared to your average like 1999 ones. Now, one day he was sharing with me, like, brother, you know, I, I, I saw this comic book. And you know what? I want you to take a look out for it because he really, really wanted to buy it badly. So he, he searched for months. I mean, literally months. And he finally bargained for it. But he still paid a very, very hefty price. Now, with, with these kind of rare comic books, now, I, I don't think he knows that I know, but he puts away in a safe in his room behind the closet. Now, he was sharing with me that after he was arranging his collection in his safe, he realized that he already owned that very expensive comic book. And for months, he was looking to grab that comic book. And this time, he paid way too much for it. You know, um, there are a lot of Christians out there that do that. A lot of Christians are still looking for something that we already have. They're looking for something that, that God already has in the treasure house. But we often, we want something more. We want more of your love. We want something more than the ordinary. We want something more, a special kind of experience, power, a special power. And Paul prays that we would know what kind of a power that we already possess in our inheritance. You know, usually this is where when I finish my sermon or all the pastors, it's when we kind of leave you with an application from the message. And I was, you know, thinking and I was like, what can I really, really apply? But since it's Paul's prayer, and rather than giving you an application, I want to pray over CLC. Just as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, my prayer for CLC is to rejoice in all the benefits that God has given to us. First, that we are in Christ. We already possess these kinds of power. That God loves me. If you look at it from the perspective of God's side, God loves me so much that I am so valued to him. And that 
all, and, and I, I want all of us to understand what a privilege and what an honor as he reveals himself to us so that we will get to know him as a person, that we will get to have intimate relationship with him on a personal basis. So this week, I, I want you to really, really meditate upon all the rejoicing of all the benefits that God has in store as part of this great inheritance that we have received from him already. So let me close by praying for all of you. Dear Lord, um, you know, I really thank you. We really thank you for your revelation and the truth in your words and that you loved us so very much that you gave your only son to us, which he became flesh and that he walked and that he died for us. And then when he left to be with you on the right side, that you gave us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives in us, Christ in us, that gives us the power. And I pray, Father Lord, that this week, for those who are struggling with our Christian lives and Christian faith, and those of us who are feeling like, I don't feel loved, I don't feel like I'm being saved. I ask in the name of Jesus that, Lord, would you remind us of all this inheritance that pray, uh, Paul prays for the church of Ephesus, that, Father God, that we already possess all the gifts, all the power that we have already as part of your inheritance. And, Father God, this morning, we receive all this in your precious Precious son's name. Amen.